Welcome to Radiant in Real Life. I'm your host, Beth Medley, and we are a community of women focused on becoming radiant in life, leadership, and the pursuit of Jesus. I'm so excited you're here. (laughs) Welcome back. I'm so excited to get to introduce you to my friend this week. Her name is Stephanie Powell, and I have known Stephanie for years, and it has been so fun to watch you grow, and um, in in many ways, professionally, personally, spiritually, and it's been so fun um, to get to like go on this journey with you. And I met Stephanie right at the beginning of my coaching career, mm-hmm. I think, and actually, you were at the very first network marketing event networking event I ever went to, uh-huh. um, I think it was Steve that suggested I talk to you. Steve Sutton. I th- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm almost uh-huh. positive. Um, so it's so fun to have you here and introducing you to my audience. Um, they know you. They might not know that they know you, but you've kind of been helping <laughs> me behind the scenes with my brand and um, and all of that. So I want to introduce to her to you today as a neuroleadership expert. So there are many things that she's wonderful at and and you have so much to give in so very many um, places, but I'm especially excited as a trauma-informed leadership person um, to have you on the show because I think that we align so greatly yeah. in so many of the things that we do. So tell, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, yeah. Okay, a little bit. All right, this is always a challenge, right? ADHD. Uh-huh, ADHD takes over. Um, just know that anybody who's listening, um, whatever I say is the short short version. It's the short version. It really is. <laughs> Promise. Even when you think it's the long version, that is the short version. Um, so, yeah, uh, neuroleadership expert, um, neuroleadership, neurodiversity expert, and ADHD strategist. That's sort of the – I keep kind of finagling my title just a little bit. Um, mostly because I – kind of hate that I have to even pick a title, right? Because they're so pigeonholing and I just hate it. Um, But really all that, all that really means um, is I get to be a total nerd and um, use brain science to talk about what neurodiversity is, what neuroleadership is, um, everything from whether that's strategies, if you're an ADHD or like me, or it's talking about mindset, or um, I've been talking a lot lately about what I've what I call B, which is belonging and equity, because DE and I doesn't work, right? And we can we can dig into that later if you want to or not or whatever. I don't care. But the point is, all of that is I like coming at it from the brain science perspective because even though we are having so many more conversations about and not just um, like neurodiversity and leadership, but leadership in general and mental health in general. And we're having so many of these conversations now, and that's so great, but we have so much further to go. Mm. And the more that I, the more that I really was leaning into this because I was really, I mean, I was working with neurodiverse people anyway and coaching them anyway. And so the more I really leaned into this and the more conversations I started having, the more I realized how many more conversations need to be had because there are still a lot of things that we don't understand. There's still a lot of things people don't know. Um, And back to what I was originally saying, the brain science piece, I like coming from there because it gives people something to chew on. It's now not just something that somebody can say is woo-woo or, you know, is abstract. No, like this is something like you can Google it. You can go check me. You can go check my facts. I can show my work. and the other fun thing about it is, especially from when you get into things like the mindset perspective and just 
how we learn, how our brain works and things like that. This is the only thing that I've ever found where you're talking about scientists, neuroscientists, physicists, psychologists, psychiatrists, spiritual gurus, religious gurus, the Bible, everyone says they're, they're all in agreement. Mm-hmm. Like, when was the last time that that diverse group of people agreed on anything? But it doesn't really matter what, where your, um, I can't find my right word, like where your authority might be, whether it's you, your, your authority is in God, your authority is in science, your authority is in, it doesn't really matter. Wherever you go, you're going to find the same truth when it comes to brain science. And so that's that's what I that's why I like doing it that way because I just feel like it gives people um, yeah something to chew on and a little bit more space to understand what's happening in their own brain and hopefully the outcome is they can have some space for what might be happening in someone else's. Ah, oh, so good. I love it because so much of that is like that's that's how I approach things mm-hmm. as well because I think that sometimes we talk a lot about um, theories mm-hmm. and ideas and that's all wonderful especially when we get into a spiritual side of things this is all wonderful yes let's renew our minds but but if we don't have a practical way to actually make things change for us then we're going to just stay stuck in the same cycles and the same loops and and, in the same places that we've always been oh 100 100 percent. and i love that because it's funny um I used like, and I still say this, anytime I talk about mindset with anybody, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, it's not just think happy thoughts. Like that's utter BS. That doesn't work. If that worked, we would all do it and none of us would be unhappy, (laughs) you know? And it's the idea of, again, like it's those practical strategies. Like that's all well and good. But if we don't give somebody directions, how do they ever get to the other side of the road? It's just a, oh, I wish I was there. And that sounds so great. Right. No effing clue how I'm supposed to get there. Right. And I think it doesn't help when we like look over there and we're like, oh my gosh, everybody else is over there. But like, (laughs) they really aren't friends. Right. Like that's not, they're not there. (laughs) I'm not there. You're not there. there. No one's there. Um, But we all, it's like some weird light bending trick that we all think that everybody else is there. Uh But we, it's not, it's not like that. Um, And I think that speaks to the power of community, which I know I'm sure you, coming at that from a brain Mm -hmm. science perspective and even just neurologically, like the way that our brains are designed for community, that's so important um, when it comes to becoming who we were intended to be. Yeah, because, and like, again, so I get to nerd out on brain science for half a second, right? we know we're designed for community, but for anybody who doesn't know this, like this is also why, and I know you talk a lot about this, this is why like curating your circle is so stinking crucial because, I mean, we've heard the quote, like you are the people that you hang out with, the five people you hate, top five people you hang yeah. out with on average. But again, I can show I can show my work. That's actual brain science because um, one of my favorite brain truths that I ever talk about is your brain is wired to keep you safe. Like that is its full-time job. It's its primary function and never goes off the clock um, and keep you safe and survival from, regardless of what your feelings are, if cavemen were ever real or not. But like, if we take it back to that, right? It's that, it's that type of safe and survival. And so when it comes to things like group think, which is a real thing that happens, right? Opinions are symbols of belonging. Mm-hmm. And so if we're if we are in you know whatever whatever our chosen village tribe group might be we are so much less likely to challenge whatever a group opinion or belief might be because if we're disagreed with or if we feel that we no longer belong 
that directly speaks to our brain to set off all the alarms and bells and whistles because again way back hunter gatherer days you died alone mm-hmm. if you weren't with a tribe or a group or a clan or whatever you died yeah and well, I, that reminds me of this quote and i don't know where it's from but i mean people say it all the mm-hmm. time it's like if you want to go fast go alone yeah but if you want to go far, far yeah yeah if you want to go far go together yep yeah because and so whenever we yeah so i mean you have to curate your circle right because your brain is going to very much scientifically it's logical for the brain right you want to be on the same page as all of those people um and so that that mob that mob mentality as dangerous as it is it's really just the brain again just trying to keep us safe and make sure that we are part of the collective and that we're part of that and we're not going to get kicked out or ousted Right. Because, again, now as far as our brain is concerned, we're putting our safety and our survival at risk. Yeah. I love that you're talking about this for so very many reasons. And I think that there's multiple applications for it. And one, we kind of started talking about it when it comes to um, to our curating our circle yeah. and, and, and the people that we have around us. And the truth is, like, we want people around us that are going to challenge us, mm-hmm. but that carry our same core values. Yeah. And I think that's where we're talking about that belonging because you and I very much are aligned Mm -hmm. in our core values. And I find this with anybody that I'm coaching. It's like my core values are aligned with this person. And so they're able to accept criticism from me um, because they know that it's in love and it's never like, I'm criticizing you as a person. It's like, hey, I'm gonna push back a little bit. And even the language that we use around pushback as mm-hmm. leaders is really important. Yeah. Um, and so there, that's that one context that we're talking about it, just in the cir- curating our circle, who do we have around mm-hmm. us that are gonna help us develop into who we wanna be. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's this whole other aspect of it organizationally. And so I I wanna know for the organizations that you're familiar with, what do you think is like the number one thing um, that needs to be addressed? And I I think you kind of mentioned it a little bit. Yeah, um, I wanna touch on, this leads into this, but what you're saying as far as just um, within that community and like being able to push back and challenge or whatever, because this goes into the answer to your question the core values and the alignment and things like that, you know, it is so crucial because ultimately if you come to me and you hold me accountable, you challenge something, you give me pushback, um, I listen and I don't get defensive, which another little brain science nugget. Like that's something else that we do too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have, we all have, we all deal with confirmation bias, which really is just the, that's just the more complex way of saying we seek out evidence to prove our beliefs right. Um, to the extent that we will outright ignore evidence to the contrary. Which like, is important. We'll just outright ignore it. And when someone <clears throat> challenges that, we have what's called the backfire effect, which means we like wall up tighter than Fort Knox. Yep. And we feel now our brain tells us we're being threatened and we have to defend ourselves. And mm-hmm. so it's all of those things. And so the only way that that doesn't happen is when we feel safe talking to the person that we're talking with. Yes. So it's this idea of safety, right? And it's this idea of, and that all comes from something else I'm super passionate about, it's the intentions. Yeah. So I need to have a trust with you, whether you're a friend, you're a colleague, you're a mentor, I need to know that whatever you're bringing to me is coming from a good place. Right, a boss. Exactly, it has to be coming from a good place. and. It ha- because that also, too, that allows it to where I don't have to place the expectation on you to say everything perfectly mm-hmm. for me to receive it. Mm-hmm. Because I already trust you, and if I trust you and I know what your intentions are, then even if it comes off a little bit like a, mm, I, 
my brain, like, so <laughs> I can't help burning out. Second favorite brain truth is that your brain will never make you a liar, right? So if my brain already has evidence demonstrating why you can be trusted and that you love me and that you care about me, that's what it'll pull from, right? right. So if anything doesn't line up and I'm like, I kind of feel like that was a crappy thing to say, I can instantaneously go to that Rolodex of memories and go, I know this isn't true because this is all the evidence I have that demonstrates what her intentions are. So good. And so, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just, this is totally like, it's not totally unrelated, but it just makes me think about when we talk about church hurt, which I've got a lot of believers on this podcast. I know, I know all of y'all, a lot of y'all have dealt with this. And so if we have a lot of memories and a lot of evidence that church isn't safe and that Christians aren't safe, which let's be really truthful, oftentimes Christians aren't safe. Very true. And so um, that evidence builds up to then believe that Jesus isn't safe. 100%. And so we want to be really mindful that like that's that's your brain keeping you protected and it's defenses and mechanisms that the Lord put in place for you. Um, but they can go a little haywire if we're, if we're not knowledgeable about them or yeah. we just let them kind of um, batter us around in the winds oh, yeah. of, our, of our mind, you oh, know? yeah. So <clears throat> just made me think of yeah, that. Yeah, and I and I echo that for anybody who's listening who doesn't know me. I mean, you, you know, I'm a believer too. I love Jesus. Um, and I've experienced my fair share of church hurt. And yeah. Still to this day, um, church in general, when I think of church in general, I don't feel safe. Yeah. That's not a place that I go, oh, yeah, it's a, I'm oh, going to church. No, it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I totally get that. Um, so back to your question, the biggest shift, right? Um, I started talking about, um, again, what I call B, right? Which is for belonging and equity. And this really all started, actually, it started my husband. Um, the company that he works for, he randomly mentions to me the other um, the other day could have been three months, six months, two days ago. Who knows what ADHD me. time has no meaning. Um, <laughs> but he mentioned that his company does DEI and B, and I had never heard of that. He had never heard of that. And uh, the B is for belonging. And I was like, that's really interesting. I didn't know that people were doing that. I definitely because he was talking about even from his perspective, and he's a straight white male, you know. So he was like that even makes that's impactful for him absolutely so when i started googling it and researching it you know i found out that a it is a thing it's not as mainstream as dei obviously but it certainly it wasn't like i only found one or two results you know what i mean it's 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 a thing and then i found a ted talk and i've completely lost her name now but um if you look up belonging and equity it'll pop yeah, up it's, yeah it's and big. she's it was amazing and my favorite part about the ted talk was the second she started talking about brain science, it was all the things that I already talk about. Yes. And so she really talked about it from the perspective of focusing on the equity piece of DEI. And then, like I said, so then I, and then I came at it with this, it's belonging and equity. And the reason I, I'm so passionate about that now is DEI doesn't work. So I love that you're saying that because I very much agree with you, but it's a very controversial statement. Very. In this in this day and age. Yes. Um, and so I think you gotta be really careful with it. And I imagine that people kinda get their um you know feelings a little bit riled when you say things like that. It really depends <clears throat> on who I'm talking to. Um the first few I'd say the first dozen people that I chose to say that to, mm-hmm. I very intentionally chose people that are the direct targets of DEI. Yeah. Um, because it was really, I'm a straight white female, you know what I mean? So it was important to me that I know what the brain science says and I know, I know how I want to say it. I want to say DEI doesn't work. 
because I want people to go, wait, what? And then I'll tell you why. Um, and everyone that I have said it to actually, now granted, again, it's been people that I do know. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a pause, but the second I follow it up with, which is what I'm about to say, it doesn't work because diversity and inclusion are BS metrics. They're check boxes. You can have 50% of your company be people of color, and you can include everyone that ever walks into your building and everything that you do by, like one of the things you said in the TED Talk was, <laughs> she's in this room, a huge TED Talk room, right? She's like, you're all invited to my house. You're all included. But when they walk in the door, if you treat them like crap, it doesn't matter that they were included. Right. And that's why diversity and inclusion don't work because all you're doing is you're merely measuring a statistic. You're not actually measuring how that individual who is affected by that statistic feels with your methods, feels in your organization. And so, again, you can check all the boxes. Right. And we all know this. We all know there are some people that are genuinely that genuinely want to create diverse and safe spaces. Absolutely. And there are plenty of organizations that do it because they, quote, know they have to. Right. And so, you know, there's always going to be both sides of that. But it just, it doesn't work. And we know it doesn't work. And I think that's another reason it's so controversial because we get defensive because we know it doesn't work. Because if it worked, it would have worked. By now. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. We have no evidence to suggest that all of these DEI efforts that people have been doing over the last couple of years have done anything. If it, if anything, they've alienated a lot more people mm. um, than, you know, having that opposite effect. So tell me a little bit more, and I know we're getting a little long for my episodes, but I want you to tell me a little bit more behind the brain science of why it doesn't work. Yeah, so I can, and I can do this. Actually, I think I can do this pretty quickly. So here, here's the bottom line. Um, when we talk about diversity, for example, um, and again, I'm taking a little bit, a little bit of this from the TED Talk using her words. Um, the idea behind a lot of DEI or people, what they say is, we want to get rid of these ethnocentric cultural biases. That's not possible, mm. and it's not possible because the brain is wired for us to notice these differences or diversities. Right, Because if you have a group of people, a tribe, whatever, and then another tribe comes in that looks completely different than you, that's how you recognize, is this a threat? Is this safe? So we're literally wired to notice these things, to notice when somebody is different than we are. Yeah. So to, to, to have the idea that we can get rid of that is an unrealistic and just absurd expectation. I don't even think it would be beneficial to get rid of recognizing people I don't being either. different than us. I think it's it's something that we need to learn to value. Exactly. And then <clears throat> the other side of that brain science piece is that um, we we don't really care about, on our brain, not emotional, human, like soul side, but our brains don't really care about inclusion. They couldn't care less. We do care about equity. Mm. We are hardwired to see and recognize equity and inequity. It's actually on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Absolutely. Um, and back to brain being safe, right? Hunter-gatherer days, if we're all in a tribe and we're getting the same amount of food, and all of a sudden I start getting less food than you, I need to know that because if that continues, I'm going to starve and die. Okay. So that's that inequity. If you start getting more food than me and I right. start getting less, you start getting more warm clothing than me, I get less. 
But equity is a little bit different than equality. So, but it is, but mm-hmm. that's still how the brain is wired. Right. So, yes, it needs equity, a reason. equity and equality are absolutely different, 100%. Um, but it starts with the brain recognizing the brain will see inequity. Yes. And it, it doesn't see it necessarily as you're getting five Skittles and I'm getting three when, I don't know, it's just, it's just you may need five and I only may need three. And that's fine. But again, if all of a sudden you're getting opportunities that I'm not getting. Yes. If you're being paid less for the same thing that I'm doing, our brains do, and they do care about it. Yes. And so that's the piece of why if we focus on belonging and equity, diversity and inclusion will come naturally. It naturally happens. Absolutely. But that's where we need to focus is not so much are we ticking off the right boxes to make sure that our organizational makeup is, quote, diverse. It's, is everyone who's coming through our door, do they feel like they have a place where they can belong? And then back to what you said earlier, when we're talking about our circle as leadership, are we curating spaces so that anybody can come and talk to you and you feel like they have your best intentions at heart? Mm -hmm. Because they do. Right. I think so much of this comes back to culture Mm -hmm. and how how we make sure that that is being... um, trickled out throughout our entire organization. And then the other thing that it made me think of when you're saying diversity inclusion is a fruit Mm -hmm. of belonging. 100%. And and I think so often, and this is, I watch this happen in so very many scenarios, but we want the fruit. And so we think that the fruit is how we get the fruit. Yeah. But that's not how it works. Yeah. You know, like we want the fruit of the spirit. We want more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We want all those things. So like, how am I going to get more joy? Well, just think about more joy. It's like, <laughs> like that doesn't work, you know, like I'm just going to joy you, you know, like yeah. this isn't how it works. Yeah. It has to be grown and cultivated. Yes. You have to do the work so that then you can have the fruit and you have to plant the right seeds so that you can have the fruit. And so if we plant the right seeds of belonging, mm-hmm. if we if we plant plant the right seeds of equity, really, and that's happening in an environment of belonging and all of those things are correct and all of those things are aligned, then the fruit you're going to get is diversity and inclusion. Every yeah. Time. And I love that you mentioned planting because... Just that, re- just that encouragement. You plant a seed, you don't harvest the fruit the next day. Yeah, absolutely not. This is not an overnight thing. And if it's an organization and you're sitting there and you're thinking about it, I, I don't think that the, you know, I know I'm just one person, but like the expectation is not that you have equitable practices that are fully in place in a month. Right. No, it's over the next year, over the next three years. Well, depending on how big your organization is, that's going to make a big difference as to Mm -hmm. whether or not, like, how quickly this moves. The bigger companies get, the more inflexible they are. And the longer I, like, even when I'm coaching my people, I'm like, hey, I'm going to help you with your organization. I'm going to come in and do team coaching or whatever. But it takes longer for there to be oh, yeah. um, change if it's a if it's a bigger company. Yeah, I mean because well, yeah, you just said. I mean, it just it take it takes time. It yeah. takes time. It's not going to be overnight. The goal is that you have to do the work. And it's when you said that, like one of the things Kevin Hart said when he was very first coming up. You know, he's like everybody wants to be famous. Nobody wants to do the work. The work. And it's the same kind of a deal. Like, yeah. and it's the same. Like I used this example. You know, the other day when I was talk when I was speaking. We don't get stronger muscles by sitting on the couch. You have to add resistance. Yeah. And then you have to add consistency. 
So the resistance has to be there to build the strength, and then you have to keep going back. Yeah. And there are going to be days that suck more than others, and there are going to be periods where you feel plateaued and you feel like you're not getting anywhere. That's when you have to push through and, ju- and just keep going and know that, again, if you're committed to it and you're putting in the work, the fruit will be there. Absolutely. It just might take a little bit longer. Um, I love that. But it'll be there. Uh, thank you so much for coming. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Y'all, if you want to get in touch with Stephanie, I'm going to put her information in our show notes. And I'm sure we'll be tagging you and linking you in all the things social media. Um, so, yeah. So, I, my prayer for you today is that that this conversation would spark in you some thoughts that maybe you haven't had before. Um, and as you're leading other people and as you're leading yourself, um, what can taking this neuro approach help help you with like what is it that you've been struggling to really deal with or maybe what fruit are you wanting that you're like fruiting to get you know what I'm saying (laughs) so um so if you need help with any of these things please reach out and you can find Stephanie and all Mm -hmm. her information um in these show notes or, or on my social media pages too thanks for having me thank you for listening to our episode today hit that subscribe button and leave us a review so I have one last question before you go what are you going to radiate this week in your life, leadership, and your pursuit of Jesus.